and uh and that's that's his field of, of ministry and i got him going to talk to us tonight on a subject that he shared once before oh i don't know how many years ago but it was a bunch of them because we're certainly older than we were back then so <clears throat> anyway but uh he's going to talk tonight on, on a subject that you'll find interesting i know it's in the word of god amen and uh looking forward to it but blessing to be at church tonight amen and uh, any prayer requests we need, lift them up to who we got. Huh? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Okay, Phil. On our prayer list, we had a Noah. He had a tumor in her neck. And then uh, Tyler and Peyton Daniels for baby dad. It's called Phoebe Action. Charlotte, I see you get
Johnny, your songbook to number 507. 507. Come thou fount of every blessing. Number 507. When I kneeled in prayer and with thee, my God, 
Sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. 
tonight, ain't you? Amen. Well, before I before I turn him loose, I'm just I'm, I just want to say I, I can't even remember what year we met, brother. It's been a how long ago has that been? It's probably been ten. Yeah, I remember Jackson was little when you came, and he ain't little no more. But uh, but yeah, I got to know Brother Tino back when I did a. I, this this thing we're well actually what we got running through this phone right here tonight we were doing blog talk radio and uh, we interviewed Tino on the air and uh, and that turned into a Facebook friendship which turned into him coming down and preaching for me and and getting no one other in person and and we've stayed in touch all these years and I'm thankful for our friendship we're very like minded even they, even if he is a Yankee and I'm not we're very like minded. I know, I've got, listen, i got, look at, raise your hand if you're a Yankee in here. i got two of them. i got two of them, and I even got I even got a lady all the way from England, no, South Africa. So, so anyway, everybody in here ain't from the South. Well, she's from South Africa, but we'll give her that much. But, uh, but anyway, I, I'm very thankful for my friendship with Tino, very thankful for Robin, looking forward to him sharing with us tonight what God's give him, and, and so... Let's pray, and, Brother, I want you to come on and preach. Father, we thank you tonight. We ask you to put your hand on Tino. Touch him tonight, Lord. Use him. Bless him. Help him in all that he does, Lord. I pray, Father, you just uh, use him for the glory of God. Holy Spirit, fill him and control him now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you all swinging tonight? Y'all swinging tonight? Well, I never heard of Okay. I'm not, I'm not a musician. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let the musicians do something. This is going to last an hour, so that's enough talking for one night. You know, we could do probably tomorrow, and I'll just do the home tonight. Because I haven't, you know, that's what we were saying about it.
suspended with uh, Brother T calling me a Yankee. I, 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 was, I was born in Detroit, and I saw a sign just a few miles down the road, Detroit, you know, on the arrow point of the town. So, yeah. Yeah. That's Detroit. Yeah. And Detroit.
and they're thinking, wow, this is cool. And I got to explain to them about creation and about the biblical perspective of where these fossils come from. And so a bunch of kids got an education that they probably got nowhere else. And so that was really neat. And I got to share with them, and you guys, you guys were involved in that, and so were the, the Hickam's Church, because that allowed my, my trip to take place. I did it for three years, and then it came to a, a screeching halt unexpectedly. And I felt at the time that the Lord was putting me on the bench, but it, it, that's not really what it was. He was just saying, sit down here a while. Let me show you what I can do in your ministry while you're not even in it anymore. A missionary going to Africa, I think it was Nigeria, saw some of my stuff on the Internet, copied some of my stuff and used it as his tracks to pass out into the villages. I, I, don't, know who, I don't know him. I never met him. Somebody told me his name once. I, I never come across him. He didn't ask for my permission. He just saw my stuff and liked it and copied it and said, I, I, I probably <laughs> he, was, he went and passed out tracts. He seeded the, you know, the villages to have people come for a week long of uh, revival meetings there. Over 300 people got saved. Wow. Well, the Lord used my ministry to get 300 people saved in a foreign continent while I'm sitting at home doing nothing. I'm, watching, I'm, at, I'm at work. Then... It was uh, uh, in Green Bay, I think the church in Green Bay. There was a family there who had a lost daughter. The father was called to preach, and he'd known it for years, but he knew the daughter was lost and rebellious and anti-God, anti-church, all kind of stuff, all that. And I gave my normal Sunday morning message uh, that ties creation into what, what did Jesus believe? Uh, Jesus believed in the ark, and he believed in creation, and he believed in uh, David and Goliath and Jonah and the whales and all these things. So if you don't believe these things, you're denying what Jesus believed. And so that's the, kind of the gist of the message. And, and, and at the end, it goes to your personal accountability before God. You are going to face God, you and him, and nobody else. Your pastor won't be there to help you. Mommy and daddy won't be there to help you. Uh, your family won't be there. Nobody. It's you and God, and you better able to give an answer to God. You're going to, whether you're, but you better, you better be able to give the right one. Anyway, after the service, she made a beeline to the pastor's wife. Said, man, I need to get saved. She got saved that night, reconciled with her parents. Parents then went and talked to the pastor and told him what was going on. He said, I've been called to preach, and I've been waiting for, for this to happen because I didn't feel good. Uh, that I, I could really run a church if I had a wayward kid of my own. And uh, went back, they actually joined that church because he had issues with the previous church they were at over that. The pastor was encouraging them, go ahead anyway. If the Lord's calling you, you know, give him a chance to fix these things. I guess, no, I really can't. And I can understand that, too. If, you, if you've got problems in your home, you don't feel like you're going to be able to be an adequate pastor either. And uh, so they went back and reconciled with their old, old former pastor. Got things right with him. Got things right with the current pastor. Several weeks went by. The guy realized that it, it was it was real. His daughter was was you know serving the Lord, coming to church. Uh, had, no longer was rebellious and all that. So he went and told the pastor. I, I, I guess uh, the Lord took away the last hurdle. I need to go uh, start a church somewhere. And Pastor Check said he was never so happy to lose a family. <laughs> so 
this guy went about an hour north of Green Bay, started the church from scratch. Now they run 30 or 40 uh, on a Sunday, and people are getting saved and baptized and joining the church and all that based, because of something that happened in, in my ministry. But the Lord showed it to me after I'm home, can't do anything anymore. I'm, I'm just, you know, working five days a week and uh, not able to travel. And the Lord's saying, watch what I'm going to do in your ministry. Well, you're not even, you're just sitting on your butt. I was working. I wasn't sitting on my butt. But nonetheless, the Lord is saying, well, let me know whose ministry it was. <laughs> you know, who gives the increase? You know, I, it, it wasn't me. I wasn't even out on the field anymore. And then a uh, guy from Bath, England, came, saw, came to New York on a business trip. He wasn't saved, although he was friends with a, a guy that was doing a Bible Institute. Uh, if you look up Bath Bible Institute, now there's about 25 or so of my, my messages on, on their YouTube site. And uh, anyway, this guy comes to New York and saw me preach in New York. He wasn't even saved. But he went back to England and told the guy, uh, he says, you're going to want to look this guy up because that's right up your alley, the same kind of stuff you've been trying to teach us. And, you know, and this is a lost guy. Uh, at least then he was. <laughs> and uh, so Brother Jason Knowles looked, looked up uh, the couple of things I did have on the Internet on my website. So, oh, yeah, we got to have this guy you know, on, on, on a podcast. Oh, 25 podcasts later and thousands of people that have viewed these things. Uh, anyway, when that guy went back to Bath, England, he got saved too. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, you know, it's like the Lord is saying, I'm just going to show you a little bit of what's going on. Hey, I could, I preached in probably 25 states uh, during the three years that, that I was doing full-time ministry. I don't know. There might be a dozen more things like that that happened that I don't know about. But the Lord wanted to show me just to be an encouragement. You're not on the bench. I'm just letting, letting you rest for a bit. And, uh, oh, now here we are again. And uh, Pastor Teague want, wanted me to do the message here on geocentricity. And like he said, that's a topic that uh, a lot of people don't talk about. <laughs> and... Um, this my message. The probably uh, I just had the guy's name. I was just talking about not Rick Delano, but uh, Robertson Jenis. Uh, Robertson Jenis is probably the premier living geocentrist in the world today. And he said it was the best presentation he ever saw. He came across it on the internet, saw it, uh, contacted me, and told me about it, and said that's the best presentation he's ever seen. And uh, actually, the, the best geocentrist is Gerardus Bow. I mean, Bible-believing Baptist, you know, right in our, you know, right up our alley. But he's he's elderly and he's got dementia, and he's no, you know, he's a he was a uh, uh, had a degree in uh, astronomy and physics, doctor doctor degrees. So this guy was the ex, you know, he had the credentials to back this stuff up. Where I'm just kind of spouting off what I what I know from reading his stuff. Anyway, we've got this on a a, a screen here that it doesn't quite all fit, but it's a whole lot nicer than having my little laptop computer. We're gonna we'll probably try and uh, get my projector working, and we can get a screen and show it on the wall or show it on a screen or whatever whatever we got here. Um, but uh, I need an adapter to do that, and we just got off the <laughs> out of the car a little while ago, so we got to make shift make make shift what we can. And uh, this is uh, what we got. So. Uh, and, of course, typical Baptist church, everybody's sitting way in back so they can't see the screen. So we try to move it out to you a little bit. Um, you know. So I'll have to scroll down. It's not clicking down, but we'll make our way through it. And this presentation, hmm? um, 
I may eventually, but <laughs> for now, we could we could do that. All right. So this, it doesn't fit the screen exactly, so I'll have to scroll through, and we'll make the best we can. You can see those are some of the ministries my church supports, and geocentricity. Oh, science and scripture. There might be another version of this on that. Let me see how this starts to go. Uh, dang it. I think you opened up my old version of this. Can we back, can we back this out and click and open the other version? I know we're live, but yeah, hold on a, a minute. It's okay. <laughs> One that should say SSS, because that would be back to the top. Reconfigured it to do more scripture first. That's weird. You know, yeah. Since we are a church. Yeah. Okay. This one gets into the science first. Okay. There you go. Can you look for SSS? Yep. That should, that should be it. There we go. Okay, now look at See, scripture, science, and scientists. So I put that this one's in the right order. Geocentricity. The universe really does revolve around me. And we, we will see what, that, that's what this is talking about. And some of the fonts might be different because this computer might not handle some of the fonts I use, and sometimes it makes them the wrong size and stuff like that, but we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. Whereas a lot of people believe that evolution is the foundational issue. Evolution versus creation. But I think even more foundational is geocentricity versus heliocentricity. And we'll, if you don't understand the terms I'm using, I'll explain it. That's, that's what we're here for. But um, back in the 1500s into the early 1600s was what's called the Copernican Revolution. Copernicus started it in the 1500s, and Galileo, uh, was, uh, 50 years or so after him, they did. Uh, lived together for a while at the same time, so they might have knew each other. Uh, Copernicus was from uh, 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 Torin, Poland. Uh, where I've been there on a mission trip, <laughs> believe it or not. And um, Galileo was Italian, and I'm Italian. So. And then maybe we'd go, be going to Italy this next year on a mission trip. Our church is planning one, so that would be pretty cool. Anyway, but the Copernican Revolution is when they first started saying the Earth is insignificant. Higher proper, prior to that, we believed that Earth was central. It was, you know, the apple of God's eye. Well, people who didn't believe the Bible, weren't, didn't believe in God, or weren't right with God, or weren't Christians, even though both of them were Catholic and nominal Christians, you know, you know what that is. Um, probably neither of them were saved. And both of them made anti-biblical statements uh, throughout their life, not throughout their lives, but several times. Uh, so they probably were not saved. They were not Christian, they were just Catholics and they were born there. But they started the movement that the earth is just insignificant, you know, little ball in the corner of the universe and we're just nothing important. And of course, that's the way the scientists look at it today. We're just a pale blue dot in the corner. We're going to see the earth is in the center of the universe. And you see the evidence for it, there's just no way around it. There's no refuting it. Uh, except they, that's why they came up with the theory of relativity to try and explain it away that everything in the center is the universe. Well, you know, we'll see some things that that, that doesn't it, it 
doesn't work. So actually, I think the Copernican revolution was even foundational evolution. Was, it was the first time science was used to overthrow what the Bible said and to get people to reinterpret what they thought the Bible clearly said. And so that's what evolution does. And they overthrow science. Day doesn't mean day. It actually happened millions of years. And God used evolution to bring everybody in. And uh, yeah, Jesus, uh, grandpa and grandma was a monkey and evolved into, you know, into Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, it's, it's foolish. So we got, we're going to do scripture first, but we have to have just enough science so you all know what we're talking about. Uh, or else you, you just hear these funny terms and words you're not familiar with. You might wonder, you know, what, what, what's he even saying? And heliocentrism is the heliocentric view is with the sun in the middle of the solar system. All the planets, including the Earth, travel around the sun. As the whole solar system travels wherever it's going and the galaxies travel wherever they're going and, and all that at greater and greater and greater speeds that are incomprehensible, you know, many times faster than the speed of light if it went if they have to go as far as they're supposed to. And the geocentric view, or helios, oh, that's still heliocentric view. Okay, I don't know what I got. Oh, I might have just put, uh, oh, I turned, uh, I showed, I made this yellow so you could see the earth is going around the top in this view. So that's the only difference there. It shows, you know, when, it, when you click from one slide to the other, that pops right up. But when I'm scrolling, you can't notice it. So then we get to, the geocentric view, which really is pretty much the same thing, except everything goes around the Earth, but the planets all still go around the sun. All those motions are the same. The planets go around the sun, the moons go around the planets. The motions, um, their motion is relative. We'll see a few examples of that. But uh, So really the only difference is changing that line on, on the grip. All the motions really are the same. It's just a matter of where is your perspective, where is the center? The center is here, not here. And all the planets still go around the sun, but instead of the earth going around the sun, the sun goes around the earth. But you'd see the exact same thing. It's just opposite. Like if, if, if this room spun around, you'd see all the stuff in the room. Or if you spin around the other way, you'd see the same stuff. That's, that's the difference. But the, all the all the observations are the same. Here's just some more pictures to show that of the uh, the, earth, the relationship between the Earth and the Sun and uh, and Mars and uh, Mercury. I think is there. And here here's a, a good way to kind of grasp the relative motion idea. If you're on a ship, which way are you going? Well, if the ship's going that way, you know, say that's south. You're going south. But if you're swimming in the pool and you're swimming that way, you're going north while the whole ship is going south. And if you go this way or that way, you're going east and west while the ship is, is going south. So if you ask which way are you going, relative to what? Relative to the earth, everything on the ship is going south. But relative to the ship, you could be going north. You're going north on the ship while the ship is going south. So that's what you have to when you ask which direction are you going, which direction relative to what? Relative to the to the earth, the ship, the the current ocean current might be going a different direction than you're so 
that's the thing to think about is motion is not absolute except with respect to the throne of God. And that's where we get geocentricity is the earth is not moving with respect to the throne of God. Because the Bible says it's just footstool. Well, what good would a footstool do if it was moving forward? It wouldn't be a very good footstool. And there are a few other verses that that deal with that as well. Uh, Think of the same concept on an airplane. You know, which way are you going? That airplane is going 500 miles an hour that way. But if you get up and go to the back of the plane or go use the restroom, you're going that way. And if the earth is spinning or, or, or the cosmos is spinning around the earth, you know, the other way, it, it might be going that way while the plane's going that way and you're going that way. Which direction are you going? Hence, if you're talking about relative to the plane, relative to the earth, relative to other passengers, you could be going north, south, east, or west all at the same time. You're going south while the plane's going north. You're going east or west while the plane's going north. So direct, you know, direction is relative. And here's the verse, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. So the you know, it's relative to the throne of God. He's, he has his footstool. Footstool doesn't do much good if it's spinning around and traveling around. Uh, so relative to the throne of God, we're still. The earth is not moving. And another thing to consider is it's in the firmament. Now, there are several different ways people can interpret what's the firmament. And there's no way to know for sure until we're probably in heaven. Uh, but uh, I like Gerardus's Gerardus Bow's uh, idea of what the firmament is, uh, and that it, it's all-encompassing pretty much. We're, we're in the firmament. Birds fly in the firmament, but the open firmament of heaven. So the firmament isn't just a dome. Like I, I am not specifically a flat earther, but I understand why people are, because if NASA or, or the government told me it was dark at night, they might be telling the truth, but I'm going to check for myself because I don't believe them <laughs> because they lie about so many things. But, but the best lies are mostly true. So they can't lie about everything or else it would be obvious. So I understand why people would be, would be flat earthers, and I, uh, I'm not myself, but I'm not uh, like hostile to it or you know, to them or anything. You know, we talked a little bit about it with Brandon. I'm going to hit him with a baseball bat later, but uh, <laughs> so and back when yeah, when I've been in a plane, I wasn't saved at the time, so I didn't think about flat Earth. So <laughs> look to see, but nonetheless, there's three or four reasons I don't believe in a flat Earth. One is the uh, the uh, eclipses from any direction shows that the Earth is spherical or round. If the Earth was flat, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like that. Um, uh, and also uh, some of the directions you can, uh, uh, from South America to Australia would be more than twice as far on a flat Earth scenario as they are on a local Earth scenario because they put on, they make they take uh, the South Pole and they make that be the uh, full circumference with the ice walls and all that. Uh, it just doesn't add up. But that's not what we're not here to argue about that. And there's, you know, the planets are within the firmament. And the firmament is moving and carrying everything with it. Just like if you're on the plane, the plane is moving and carrying everything with it. 
So even if you're going south, ultimately you're going north, but that's the way the plane's going. And that's the way the universe is working. That's the way the firmament works. It's doing what it's doing and, you know, rotating how the earth is right in the middle and the firmament's going around the earth. And another good depiction is in the middle of a bowling ball. Say you've had that spot in the middle of a bowling ball and it stays still, you roll that bowling ball, it spins and the stars are spinning and planets are spinning and everything else, but the earth is fixed in the middle. Merry-go-round is another good illustration. Uh, the, the old, you know, if you're on the merry-go-round and you're going around as the horses go, you see all these mirrors, and if it's got writing, you see the writing and whatever it might be, you see that. But if you're going still and the merry-go-round is doing the moving the other direction, you would see the exact same observations. You would see the same mirrors and the same writings and whatever else is, is in there. The only way to be sure, the only way to be certain whether you're the one doing the revolving or it's doing the revolving on its axis is to be outside the system. The only one outside the universe is God. He says the earth doesn't move and the sun moves. Okay. He's the only one that's in a position to know. Uh, so, okay, I'll take his word for it. God, God is outside the cosmos. He says the earth is fixed. The sun, moon, and stars do the moving. And the common objections, yeah, they, they'll call you a flat earther, which might not be that big of an insult after all, but the leader of the Flat Earth Society, uh, Daniel Shenton, uh, is an evolutionist, global warming, and a heliocentrist, so calling him flat earther is kind of backwards. But um, there's just a few things about, um, a few things about that, but we're not going to. Spend a lot of the time refuting flat earth. And then some of the common objections, they'll say, oh, the, the full cult pendulum proves uh, uh, that we're moving and the geosynchronous satellites uh, prove that we're moving. But no, they don't. They actually, the geosynchronous satellites are right on the edge. So they follow along as with the earth. You know, if they're inside the uh, atmosphere, uh, they could be moving. If they're out in space, they could be moving, but they put them right on the edge. And But the thing is, it, it, it could be the Earth is moving, but it also could be everything around it is, is moving, the Earth is still, and you would get the exact same observation. So that does not, it does not prove heliocentricity at all. And the same thing with Coriolis effect. Uh, it, it, it works either way, and uh, that's the idea that small object. The idea that small objects revolve around large objects, but actually that's not totally true. They revolve around what's called the barycenter between the large object and the small object, which would be uh, the center of mass between the two of them. Uh, and, and it's it's not necessarily the sun is so much bigger than, than the earth, for instance. The barycenter is real close to the sun, but it's not the sun itself. It's the center between the two based on, on size and mass, so it would be much closer to the sun. So they really don't revolve. We, even under heliocentric uh, system, we don't revolve around the sun as much as both of us revolve around that same point. It's just that the, so, it's so close to the sun that it, for effect, that's what, what it looks like. But we'll look, uh, does the, the universe really does revolve around me? First, we'll look at the script, the common scriptural objection. What people try and do is uh, they play for the tie. 
They don't have, there's no Bible verses that say the earth moves around the sun. None. You got one? Show me. There, there aren't any. And so all their scriptural objections are just trying to neutralize what the Bible does say. Or say, well, we can take this more than one way. More than, more than what it looks like in plain value. But no one ever tries to make a serious argument uh, for heliocentrism using the Bible. Because there isn't one. And, you know, they'll, they'll try to appeal to all these verses. There are about 300 verses that have uh, geocentric uh, implications. That's a lot of verses. They'll try and make these verses figure, or they're uh, phenomenological, they'll say, uh, or, or, or they're talking about from a perspective. But that's taking a lot of Bible and trying to make it figure. That's a dangerous way to take your Bible if you're a Bible believer. Because then you're going to start taking... If you can take those verses figurative, why can't an evolutionist take the verses about creation figurative? And say maybe they aren't really regular. Maybe they are millions of years or billions of years. Maybe. If you can take those verses figurative, why can't they take those verses figurative? You you kind of cut off your arguments for defending the Bible. So, yeah, nearly 300 verses in the Bible with geocentric implications. Some simple things. The sun arose... The moon stayed. The sun went backward. Uh, there are circuits in the heavens. The sun went down. Now, if God wanted to speak geocentrically, what other, how much more clearly could he have done it in terms like that? He, why, why couldn't he have said, the earth stopped spinning? That's not hard English. It's not, it's not even a hard concept to understand. People, oh, God, God said it those ways so we could understand it because we're stupid and all. Well, yeah, we are, we are stupid, but we could understand it if God said the sun, the, the earth, the earth went around the sun and the earth spun on its axis. That's not hard to understand. A child can understand that. They teach it to our children. All right, so it's, it's not that difficult. So why doesn't the Bible say anything like that? The Bible says the sun moves. The sun went backward. The sun went down, the sun, you know, the moon stayed. All, all kind of verses about movement of the sun and the moon, none about the earth. Zero. Why? I mean, it's not difficult English. God could have. If, if what really happens, like in, in Joshua's long day, was the earth stops spinning, well, why wouldn't God say the earth stops spinning? Right. He didn't. He said the sun stood still. And we'll be seeing that. That might be the next one coming up even, or close to it. Uh, scriptures indicating a motionless earth. Uh, fear before him, all the earth, the world shall be stable, that it be not moved. Um, the next verse down there says, the world also established that it cannot be moved. Uh, Psalms 104, uh, that it should not be removed forever. So there's a lot of verses in the Bible, or several, that uh, imply that the earth doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't move. It doesn't spin. It doesn't move around the sun or anything else. It just sits there. And when the earth does move later in Scripture, it will be due to God's judgment. In, uh, in the, the tribulation and in the millennium, things like that, later on, God makes the earth shake and move and all that. That's God's judgment. So it's it's an abnormal movement because God's kicking it. <laughs> kicking your and, and then there's certainly the Bible indicates geocentric purposes. The whole universe was created for the earth, according to the Bible. Um, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven 
to divide the day from the night. So all the lights we see, the sun, the moon, the stars, comets, you name it, like any lights up there are full of the earth. To divide the day from the night, let them be for signs. They're for signs. And for seasons, these things determine our seasons. And for days and years, we do we, we, uh, do our time by the heavenly bodies. Our days, our months, our years. The only the only one that isn't done that way is a week, which is a real good proof for the Bible because the only place you can find a seven-day week is in the Bible. But the whole world observes a seven-day week. Even communist China, even Muslim countries, even Shinto countries and Buddhists and Hindus, they all observe a seven-day week. Why is that? Now, we can observe a 365-day year because the heavens move in that, in that duration. Uh, we can uh, uh, observe a 30 or so day month because that's uh, how, how long it takes the moon to get around. And, you know, days and months and years, you know, a day obviously is one, one rotation. And a week, there's nothing that takes a week in space, in the sky, or anything, or on the earth. That's just arbitrarily God-determined what a week is. And the whole world follows a seven-day week, whether they like it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they want to or not, they come right back to the Bible. Even though they don't believe it, they don't care, they don't know about it, they don't want to, but boom, there it is, whether they like it or not. So days and years, and uh, let them be for light uh, in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. All this stuff that was created was for the earth, for one thing or another. Um, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also. Like, oh, I made, all the, I made the stars. Boom, the whole universe. Trillions and trillions and trillions of stars, quasars and comets, and everything out there is pretty much encompassed under the term stars. And God made them, and it's kind of like, P.S., I made the stars too, by the way, you know. And that, you know, that's, that's God, you know, big deal. I made, all the, I made all the stars. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And we use stars to navigate, you know, especially ships and things like that. I mean, it's, everything out there was made for the earth, according to the Bible. So the whole passage about the whole rest of the universe is geocentric. The earth is the center of it. The earth is the center of God's attention, the center of what everything out there is for. It's not to give light on Alpha Centauri so uh, somebody can find their ways to give light on the earth. It, it, it's, it's all for the earth. God made the sun and the moon to be signs, the seasons for days for years, to rule the day, rule the night, all for the earth. Made the stars in the firmament to give light upon the earth. The sun, moon, and stars, the whole human universe was made for the earth. How much more geocentric can you get than that? If the whole universe was made for the earth, and it works that way. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. This is the very beginning of the Bible, where God first starts creating things, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What's moving here? The earth? Nope. The Spirit of God is doing the moving. Now, can you show me anywhere in Genesis where that changes? And the earth starts moving instead. Uh, I'm here if you want to show me. Uh, you know, open your Bible and show me. Uh, the, the, uh, the spirit of God would be the light source. 
because uh, at the end of the time, you find out the city had no need of sun, neither of moon to shine it, uh, shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So God himself becomes the light. One thing to think about, there was no sun yet. The sun wasn't created until day four. So who's, what's the light? God. God's the light. And God will be the light after, after the universe is, is done away with. So you see the very beginning of the Bible, you have the earth isn't going anywhere, and it's the light source, the spirit of God, that's doing moving on the face of the waters. I see nowhere in the Bible where it says, okay, now that, that, that's only temporary. Now it's going the other way around. If you can find it, look in the Hebrew. If you can find it, show me. Sun stand still, Joshua chapter 10. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered upon the, uh, upon, up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. Now to that point, though, it is Joshua doing the speaking. He's a human being. You could say maybe he was speaking figuratively. Maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he was speaking just from his perspective. Possible. But the, the next verse is, is the narrative of the scripture, the Holy Spirit narrative, God speaking. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed. God said the sun stood still, and the moon stayed. And, and then let the battle continue so they were able to avenge themselves. And says, is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. So the narrative of the Bible, God speaking, he could have said the earth stopped spinning, but he said the sun, the, the sun stood still and the moon stayed. And there's a, a few other things to think about that. Oh, well, well, as we get there, um, there are stories around the world about, long, the, long, about the long day. There's stories about the Bible in general, stories about Noah's Ark all over the world, stories about the Tower of Babel all over the world. Uh, but what we're, we're focusing here on Joshua's long day. There are several stories of a long day, of course, in Israel, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Europe, not too far, you know, where the Bible kind of started from, uh, out here in Asia, uh, stories. But what's interesting is the stories on the other side of the world. I, I believe that. No. We'll leave this up here. To just... The stories on the other side of the world, and there are twice as many as there are stories of a long day. Now, if it was spread by word of mouth, there was this, uh, some Bible story, and, and cultures spread it from one culture to the next culture to the next culture, to, and it traveled around the world, the story would be of a long day, because that's the story what it is. Except all over here, the uh, west side of Africa, South America, Central America, North America, these are, they all, have, all those cultures have stories of a long night which would tell you that they observed something. It really happened. They're not just passing a story. They're telling you what happened to them. And it was a long day on that side of the world and a long night on that side of the world. Huh. And, and, and what, what would you think right at the edge, because that's a, a flat picture of the earth, but right at, so both ends are, this end matches that end. On the very end, where you would expect there to be a 
long uh, sunset in the Fiji Islands, Hawaii, and I, I just read about one in Alaska, uh, in the Aleutian Islands, all stories of a long sunset, exactly where they should be. Wow. So they're not just made-up stories. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed. They try and, so some people try to make a, well, maybe the, because one says stood still, the other says stayed, it makes a difference. Well, we're going to see that that's not necessarily true. But uh, under the heliocentric system, we still see the moon move around us. So if the Earth stops spinning, the moon will keep on moving. But it says, no, the moon stayed. So that would tell me God stopped the moon. He didn't stop the Earth because the Earth was already stopped. He stopped the sun and the moon. That's what he said. That's what the Bible says. Now, maybe you don't believe the Bible. Okay, that, well, but at least, at least acknowledge that, that. I don't believe what it says because that's what it says. And so the moon, the moon would have kept moving. And uh, I had a friend of mine that insisted, and he was a Christian. Uh, you know, he was a good friend of mine. He's, he's dead now. But he said, those two terms mean something, something different happened to one or the other. Okay. And then, I, then you look and you find out uh, when Joshua says the sun stood still and the moon stayed. But in Habakkuk, talking about the same thing, it says the sun and moon stood still in their habitations. So when it says the moon stayed, it's saying the moon stood still. They're synonyms. Uh, yeah. Then we have another very similar passage, uh, Isaiah 38.8. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz. Now here it says shadow and sundial, uh, 10 degrees backward. So the shadow went backward. Now, probably several things, or at least a few things, could cause the shadow to go backward on the sundial. The sun stop, the sun going backward would be one of them. There might be other explanations, but but God gives the explanation. He said, "So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down." He didn't say the Earth stopped spinning for ten degrees or the Earth went backward for ten degrees. He said the sun turned ten degrees. Well. It says what it says. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. At that time, uh, Berodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah. This is an interesting, uh, interesting thing. Why is he sending letters to? Well, anyway. Uh, that's the verse that in Isaiah 38.8 we just looked at. The sun returned 10 degrees. Just show that it's the same account, talking about the same thing. And some heliocentrists insist it was only the shadow and the sundial that moved. And, you know, some kind of harder trick or something. Uh, you know, or, or, or uh, so they, they built something in the background to change the shadow direction or something. Uh, but uh, the Bible said really clearly that the, the sun returned. And we have another parallel passage from the, the same event again. Uh, Isaiah 38.8, okay, that we, that's the one we looked at, and that's talking about the same thing that we're seeing in 2 Kings. Well, the same story in two places in the Bible, and, and the Bible makes it clear, the sun returned 10 degrees. But think about the letters being written. Albeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. Well, why would the people in Babylon have noticed what went on in some sundial over in the Middle East. They wouldn't see something. They saw something happen. 
And they basically wrote a letter back saying, did you guys see that too? You know, they're, I don't know, a thousand miles apart. You know, you don't see the, the, the king's sundial in his backyard. Somebody a thousand miles away doesn't see the sundial in his backyard. No, they saw, they observed the same thing. And they, they wrote to each other, the, the one kingdom to the other. It was a wonder that was done in the land. You know, did you see that? that what was that? You know, it happened, so it was observed on a large scale. Now, if the earth actually stopped spinning, which is what they say, well, you know, it, it, the sun didn't go backwards and the sun didn't stand still, really, really the earth stopped spinning and it made it look like that. But if the earth stopped spinning, can you imagine the cataclysm we'd have on, on the earth? If, if the earth was spinning, and stopped. I mean, you try and get on one of them, you know, uh, run around merry-go-round uh, things in the, you know, they used to have them in the public schools. They probably made them illegal because kids get hurt on them. But, uh, and you go around and around and around and around, and if you just stop, what would happen to all the kids on there? Man, they go flying. All right, now if you got the earth traveling at uh, 999 miles an hour at the equator, and you stop it, what would happen to the <laughs> to everybody on the earth and the oceans and the water? Devastation. Now, to be fair, if the sun stops, you're going to have devastation on the sun. But nobody lives on the sun, so it probably isn't as big of a deal. Yeah. And, you know, God, it would have been a miracle or uh, unnatural thing either way. You'd have to include God in the equation. It doesn't happen. But if, if the sun or the moon stopped spinning or stopped moving, it would have some cataclysmic effects, but there's nobody there to worry about. So, I mean, this describes kind of what some of the things that would happen. The oceans would migrate to the poles. Uh, you'd have the continents going toward the middle. Uh, the, you'd have two polar oceans and, you know, all kind of devastation on the planet Earth. Well, on Earth, it's not really the planet. There's a cartoon showing what happens if the Earth stops spinning. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I have to go, Marine. I think the world stopped rotating. Uh, in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter, now you just have to think. We're looking at what the Bible says. Does it say what it says? Does it mean what it says? Or should we interpret it somehow to fit with the evolutionists and the Copernican uh, revolution and, and all that stuff? Uh, I think we ought to just take what the Bible says. God knows what he's talking about. All right. The sun also ariseth. Oh, the sun, I thought the earth was uh, And the sun goeth down. He says, the sun does the rising, the sun does the setting, and hasteth to his place where he arose. He's got the sun moving and all. Well, maybe he's just talking figuratively. Well, but look at the rest of the passage. The wind that goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north, and it rolleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuit. Well, that's literal. We know the west, the way the winds move. It's not, the earth doesn't, doesn't move. Uh, while the wind stays in place, uh, the wind actually moves. You all feel it. it. It's the wind moving. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So the rivers do that. We know we've got a water cycle. The rivers run into the ocean and so on and so on. And uh, it, It's not, uh, that's, it's, it's talking literally. Now, why would you say, well, all the rest of this is talking literally, but the part about the sun, that's just figurative. In the same sentence, in the same verse, in the same passage, I, I don't think so. That doesn't—that's not very good uh, exegesis or uh, uh, 
handling of the English farmers. So the wind circuits are literal, the ocean currents are literal. Why would the sun rising and setting in the very same context, very same passage, why wouldn't that be literal? What grounds are there for taking one phrase out of this passage figuratively and saying, but the whole rest of it's literal and scientific and real, except for that one little part? I don't think about that. Um, in them hath he studied tabernacle for the sun, which is, is as a bridegroom coming out of this chamber, I'm moving again, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. He's got the sun uh, running a race and coming out of this chamber. He's going forth, the sun going forth from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. He's got the sun in a circuit, and the sun coming out as a bridegroom, and the sun uh, running a race, and the sun going forth. It doesn't say the earth spun and it made it look like the sun was doing these things. Because it wouldn't make, the sun is moving around the, the universe as well. Us spinning wouldn't have any effect on that one way or the other. We, it would still be moving. So it, it, uh, in Judges 5.20, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses. Stars have courses. The heaven has a circuit. Uh, the rivers have circuits. All these things we're, we're looking at. Um, oops. Uh-oh. Get back there. There we go. Okay. All right. The thick clouds are covering to him that he seeth not. He walketh in the circuit of heaven. The heaven has a circuit. Hmm. And here's where we get circuit riding preachers from. Uh, in 1 Samuel 7:16, he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all these places. So in the New Testament, we got circuit riding preachers that go from one place to another and around and around. Kind of like what I've done on my trip to, I did my trip to Mexico and back to Wisconsin and stopping in Kansas and Texas on, on the way there and the way back. That's, that's a circuit. So we're seeing all these things have circuits. Um, all these verses in the Bible, these are, and this, these were all the verses in the Bible that use the word circuit and the one uses the word course. Well, there's only a, only a few of them, and you just saw all of them in the whole Bible there in the last two slides. So these are all the verses in the Bible using the word circuit, things on the earth, people, wind, and rivers, move in circuits. Things above the earth, the sun, move in a circuit. The heavens move in a circuit. The stars have courses. Of course, could easily be a circuit. There's one thing the Bible doesn't address as having a circuit. But that's the one thing all our scientists says has a circuit. Interesting. I mean, maybe you want to trust the scientists. I don't know. I mean, then you might as well believe in evolution. Um, if the Earth has a circuit, why wouldn't the Bible say so? It just said about all these other things having a circuit. Why wouldn't it say the Earth had a circuit if it had one? Um, but unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise. The sun's arising, even when the sun is used as a figure of Jesus Christ, it's the sun arising. Jesus rose. Interesting. Hmm. And uh, the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he should go forth and grow up his calves and his fall and all that. So if you can't take the sun arose literally, because you're saying, because you believe it, the sun doesn't really rise, it, it's, it's just the earth spinning and makes it look like the sunrise. Uh, another verse for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Uh, the Lord. I will give grace and glory. No good thing with both of that walk uprightly. So the sun is used a couple times to refer to, to the Lord. So 
going on to you. Okay, we read that verse already. So if you can't take the sun, S-U-N, a rose, literally, how can you take the sun, S-O-N, a rose, literally? If he's speaking figuratively here, maybe it's figurative here. If it's uh, from a perspective here, maybe it's from a perspective here. If it's just speaking phenomenologically there, but it really didn't happen. It's not really the way it happened. Maybe it's phenomenological here. It's the, um, the sun arose. Does it mean the sun arose or does it not? I don't know. It's not that hard for me to figure out. And then an uh, interesting fact that uh, here is the King James Bible was the only English Bible that was translated during the, the time that people believed in geocentricity, before, before uh, Copernicus and Galileo's ideas got hold. And uh, still in the church, they believed in geocentricity for quite some time after that, until modern times. But the uh, King James Bible translated during a geocentric worldview by geocentric believers. All the modern versions, obviously, they're more modern, were done during the heliocentric worldview by people who believe in heliocentricity, heliocentrism, actually. Um, I wonder if maybe the translations would be a little bit different in those uh, areas, and sure enough, you go back to Isaiah 38.8, where we looked at earlier, so the sun returned 10 degrees, by which degrees it had gone down. The NIV says, so the sun light went back the 10 steps that had gone down. Not quite. Uh, NASB, so the sun's shadow went back 10 steps. The RSV, so the sun turned back on the dial 10 steps. Uh, the New King James, so the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. So now they're, they're trying to make it, as, oh, that was just in the king's backyard on, on his sundial. It's not, it didn't really happen, even though we saw the people in Babylon were saying, what in the world just happened? <laughs> so the first two uh, plainly omit the words of God that the sun itself returned the 10 degrees, and we looked at that verse, and well, there it is right there, the sun returned 10 degrees. Instead, they say just the shadow went back. And the last two implied it, it only happened on the sundial instead of, in, re, in actuality. And then there's another one in Job 9.7, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not. And, see, and he sealeth, and sealeth up the stars. The NIV says he, he, he speaks to the sun and does not shine. That's not the same thing as riseth not, does not shine. Uh, NASB, same thing, who commands the sun not to shine. Hmm. I mean, there are a few more I looked up that, uh, you know, I'm not going to look up every instance of sunrise, sunset. Uh, that'd be a lifetime thing, and there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of difference anyway. But So now we'll look at some of the science. And this gets a little difficult, and uh, some of these things will go through pretty quick, and you, just so you can see them, and you might have, want to look up some stuff uh, on your own. But uh, there's a difference between linear motion and rotational and wave motion. And they're scientific uh, things that, you know, you have a background in physics and things, you would understand these better, but uh, that's why light goes through glass. Um, that's kind of how we move in the firmament. You think, that, well, the, the firmament is more massive and more dense than anything, than, 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 than ladder or diamond or anything. So, well, how can we move inside the firmament then? It's kind of the same way light goes through, through, through glass. It goes through glass, and so we can, be, we can move, but it doesn't use linear motion, it uses uh, wave motion or rotational motion to do those things. And so that's kind of the way we, we would move in the firmament. And just some more. Uh, the, the atomic particle 
wavelength is too long for the firmament to absorb and the light uh, wavelength is too long for the glass to absorb. That's it's a little, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to sort that out. Quantum tunneling is another thing to look up. I'm not uh, going to spend a lot of time on that because this is already going to take an hour, <laughs> an hour or so. Um, although they have passed light through a cesium chamber, traveling, they, they get, get it to go 300 times faster than the normal speed of light. Speed of light is supposed to be relative in a vacuum. But if you put it in certain substances, it can go faster or slower. They have done some uh, experiments where they, they slow down the speed of light to one mile an hour to watch light at one mile. And even where they can stop it completely. But only in certain, in certain mediums. In a vacuum, it normally goes the speed of light. That's why they, you know, it's, it's considered to be a constant. Got to get a drink of Coke because nobody likes a dry creature. And they've done, there's been several scientific experiments done to try and improve the Earth moves, and none of them do. They are all consistent with a motion of Earth, or they indicate the Earth isn't moving. Doing experiments with light, light going through a dot and spreading out, and light going through prisms and different things they've done with it. Um, uh, they, they've helped up all these apparatuses with um, mirrors and tables and they spin the mirrors this way, and they spin the mirrors that way. Uh, they detach the mirrors from the table and try and spin them somehow, and have, have the light travel this way, and the light travel that way, and the light source go around, and every different way they could think of to try, try and show it. And a uh, famous one called Aries Failure, he set up the telescopes at a slant to catch the light rays as they come down to see, if, you know, are we moving? Or, or it didn't move in, or, or whatever. And then he, he did the same experiment, filling the telescopes with, uh, partly with water to get different angles and all that. And every time they did these experiments, it showed that the Earth wasn't going anywhere. And uh, Michelson Morley experiment was the same kind of thing: mirrors and reflectors and lights and stuff. They've you know tried all different kind of things: Michelson Gale Sagnac experiment. These things you can all look up. Uh, mathematically, E being the speed of light, V being the velocity, how fast it's going, how fast it's accelerating. You have the mathematical uh, thing, C equals C plus V. So the speed of light equals the speed of light plus the velocity. Or C equals C minus V. Sound like opposite, plus V and minus V, but this mathematical formula only works if V, the velocity, is zero. Velocity, zero, means not moving. You put any figure in there, positive or negative, one, point one, a million, whatever other figure you put in that you make C or V, and the, the, both of those are not true. But if you make it make V equal zero, it fits either side which means there's no velocity. <laughs> the Earth is not moving mathematically, experimentally. Don't think of observation. What do you see and what do you feel? Do you feel the Earth's movement at 1,000 miles an hour? I don't. Uh, what do you see when you look at the sky? You see the sun come up, rises in the east, goes over the sky, sets in the west. You see the moon move across the sky. Why do you think 
One of them is actually moving and the other one's not. Because nobody denies that the moon's moving. They all think the moon's going around us, right? So if you see the moon and the sun both do the same thing, why would you think one of them's moving and the other one is not moving and we're moving? Wouldn't that affect both at the same way? Uh, so what we observe, what we see, what we feel, is the earth not going anywhere. Now, let's see, there's some of the fonts that didn't quite fit, but uh, there's a concept called galactocentrism, and that's because our, our, our uh, ability to measure space being so vast by anybody's scale, I know there's some people that believe it's not as big as we think, but even at, even at their scale, our instruments are only so precise, and they can only determine uh, what's called galactocentrism, because our galaxy is the center of the universe. And there are several of these things that even, that even people who don't believe in geocentricity are admitting, well, the evidence shows our galaxy is in the middle. Well, if our galaxy is in the middle, why would it be another star in our galaxy that would be right in the middle? And we're just almost in the middle. I don't know. I don't see the Bible talking about, doesn't talk about all those other stars and galaxies. It sure does talk about Earth a lot. I, I would think if, if, if anything is the pinpoint middle, it would be the Earth, not Alpha Centauri or Proxima Centauri or Betel Lucy or some of the other stars that are in our galaxy. Or, you know, the, the, the planet uh, uh, Jupiter or something. Why would Jupiter be the center of the universe? You know, and who all we just missed. <laughs> So there's all kind of proofs, evidences that the Earth is either right at or as close as we can tell, right near the center of the universe, which would tell me biblically, bingo, right at the center. And this, this would be, these things mostly would be true whether the Earth spun or not or whether the cosmos spun or not. We're still in the center based on all these observations. Cosmic expansion, although that's coming into question now with the uh, uh, the web satellite is saying maybe the uh, universe isn't expanding like we thought it was, uh, which they're saying is it ends the Copernican Revolution, saying Copernican Revolution and the Big Bang are not true. Well, I'll agree with their conclusion. The Big Bang is not true and the Copernican Revolution is not true. So they're right to that part. Um, and that, but, but it's not true whether we're expanding or not. If we are expanding and they judge uh, expansion by the red shift, the light shifts to the red, red end of the scale uh, the further you go out and uh, the speed, the variable speeds. Uh, but we see that in every direction we observe. Everything's moving away from us. If everything's moving away from us in every direction, then we got to be in the middle. Because if we were, you know, over here, some things would be moving toward us and some things would be moving away. But if we're right in the middle, everything is going away from us in every direction. Except now there are things that move within. Like the whole plane is going away from us, even if there might be some passengers on a plane that are going back to the bathroom or something, going the other direction. There's comets that move this way and, and certain different things that move within the cosmos, uh, within the firmament as it's moving. But in general, the whole universe is going away from us, expanding as it expands in every single direction, three-dimensional. They believe four-dimensional even. I don't know nobody can really understand the concept of four-dimensional, but uh, nonetheless, that would show we're right in the middle. That's why relativity was invented. 
they, they say that's where the fourth dimension comes in. They will put the earth like on the end on a balloon, blow up the balloon, and here's the earth on the balloon. But every place on the balloon now, as the balloon is expanding, every place looks like the middle because everything's expanding away from every place. Well, you have to imagine a four dimension dimensional object, and you have to imagine talk about flat earth. That that earth would be so flat it would it would only have it wouldn't have any dimension. Even flat earthers believe that there is a dimension to the earth. You know, we're in a three-dimensional world. Uh, according, you know, by relativity, basically the, uh, the earth would have to be like a uh, you know, uh, newspaper is flat. You're looking at, you're reading print. It doesn't have any depth to it at all. So what they're doing is they're playing for the time. They're, they're saying that every place looks like the middle. That doesn't mean the earth isn't. They're playing for the time. Because that's all they got. That's the best they can do is, is try and come up with a system and say every place it's all it's all the same. We're all the middle. Wherever you go, it looks like the middle. That that, that wouldn't be true. But, but there are some other things. What's that yelling at me about? Uh oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the cosmic microwave backgrounds. It's got a uniform pattern in all directions with, with certain clumps in there, and it's a little bit of a uh, uh, technical thing, to, and we're not, you know, not going to spend a whole lot of time. Just the idea of knowing that this also shows the same pattern in all directions as if we had a And even the scientists that, that discovered this and, saw, and, 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 and mapped it and cataloged it all, all said, this is showing us that we're in the middle. And they don't believe it. They say, well, it can't be true. We must have made mistakes. There must be something wrong. They actually, so they sent out another probe, uh, a better probe, and it gave them the same results. And they just got a, a little bit better results <laughs> and more, more detailed and found the same thing to be true. They did three different probes try and disprove this, and each one of them showed the exact same thing. And the scientists, some of the, and some of them we'll, we'll take a look at, they just said, that's what the data shows us. Those just that we're in the middle. That's what the evolutionists said. That's what the, the heliocentrists said. They're, they don't. They don't really believe, but they had to admit that's what the data showed. That follow the science, right? We've been hearing that a lot the last couple of years. But they don't want to follow the science when it doesn't show them what they want. So, some more tiebreakers. There's just uh, the same same thing here. The cosmic microwave background showing hot spots and cool spots. Um, it's lumpy, but it's it's kind of lumpy in the big. But in the big picture, it kind of evens out. Uh, and it, it, it's a, another also it's a reputation against the Big Bang. But everything you're seeing refutes <laughs> the Big Bang. And these are just some more the lumps align. The lumps that we see out there align with the Earth poles and the Earth's equator. Why would what's going on out in outer space always line up with? Our poles and our equator. Why would they? Why would they even care? Why don't they kind of be cockeyed a little bit and diagonal? They always they line up with things on the earth. Like the earth is something special. Like the earth is in the middle, and that's why everything aligns around us. Uh, the equator and the poles. That's just what you'd expect. The only deviation is because the earth is tilted a little bit, so some things line up with you know that way. So. Uh, but it's just like the whole universe is made to line up with the Earth. And there's the tilt of the Earth. Um, 
You know, throughout the universe we see that. X marks the spot. Well, I mean, you know, the Bible shows how important that the, the earth is, uh, God's perspective, and he made the whole universe for us. So uh, if you believe the Bible, it's no, you shouldn't be surprised that everything lines up with the earth. If you don't believe the Bible, you got to well, why is that? Why does everything in the universe line up with the earth? And when we're not done, there's a lot more that, that does. Um, that's just another picture that of the same kind of stuff we've just been looking at. So we'll skip through there. There's the Milky Way in the center, the galactic, galactocentric idea, which, you know, our galaxy's at the center. But uh, if, if our galaxy's at the center, I guarantee you, from what I've read in the Bible, that means we're right at the center. And there's more stuff with the cosmic microwave background. The, the scientists call it the axis of evil because it lines up with the Earth's axis, Earth axis. And they know that that implies the Earth is not the pale blue dot in the corner of the universe. That strongly suggests the Earth is right in the middle. So they call the scientists call that the axis of evil because it does it shows what they didn't want to find. And but they they were honest about that's what they found. And you know just some more stuff about objects in the universe that have been revolving in the same direction and all that same stuff we're just talking about. I don't I don't want to spend too much time repeat myself. Well, there's the guy that coined the term axis of evil. Uh, and there's the three different, uh, uh, the Kobe, the W map, and the Planck are the three different probes that they did to try and prove, try and prove the opposite of what they kept finding. And it didn't work. They kept finding what they kept finding. Galaxies all over the, all over the universe that we can observe tilt toward the equator of the Earth. Why would galaxies hundreds and hundreds of, of millions of light years away from the Earth, why are they mostly lining up with, with, with the uh, equator, equator of the Earth? And in the case that Earth's, Earth's special. Now, there, to all these things, there are some exceptions. But in any uh, kind of explosion, Big Bang, or whatever, there's always going to be a few things going, or going a different way. But it, by and large, the universe is lined up with Earth. Why? I would stuff way out there that has no relevance to Earth, but everything's lined up with the Earth, indicating we're in the middle. Spiral galaxies, the ones that are spiral, they spin in the direction of our equator. It will get, spiral galaxies tend to spin in direction, our equator and in the direction below. Oh, the ones below it spin the other way. That's what the ones above it mostly spin one way, the ones below it mostly spin the other. Why, why does the Earth, how does the Earth get to be the, the demarcation line that uh, the galaxies spin one way up here and they spin another way down here? Wow, that's weird. I mean, if, if we're way off in the corner, I mean, that wouldn't happen. If we're in the middle, it makes a little more sense. And uh, here's a guy, Michael Longo from the University of Michigan, um, did, did a survey of uh, 15,000 uh, spiral galaxies and found that pattern hold true. Same thing with gamma ray bursts. All over the universe, when gamma rays burst, they, they, they come from all directions, but they always, the poles always point toward the Earth. You got a gamma ray up here, down there, over there, over there, over there, back there, underneath, up on top. They point toward, toward the Earth. Why would gamma rays, why don't they point that way? Why don't they point that way? Why don't they point that way? And that they point toward the Earth. Why? The earth in the middle. Maybe because the earth is a special place after all. 
we're not just the pale blue dot in the corner of the universe that Carl Sagan says. Quasars, uh, the distribution around the universe, there's just as many quasars in every direction that we look, like we're in the middle. They spin, uh, you know, the same thing like the other things, like we're in the middle. It's just coincidence, as, as if the Earth is in the center. Uh, concentric spheroliters is really neat. The matter that we see distributed, stars and everything out there, it's like layers of an onion. Just there be space in between, layers will be a little thicker, where you have a bunch of stars and you know, the matter, and then you have a bunch of almost nothing. Then you have a bunch, another you know, ring, a concentric sphere of you know, stars and planets and whatever, and then you have a bunch of almost nothing. And you have another ring, and, and it goes up in every direction, three-dimensional. It goes like that as far as we can observe. If we were not right in the middle, that is not what we observe. observe. If we were over here, the, the rings would still all be from here, and we'd be over here. And so we wouldn't be in the middle, we wouldn't appear to be in the middle. But when we look, it's like we're in the middle. And relativity doesn't explain that. So, so much for, uh, and we're, we're going to see some good quotes. If you, if you don't believe me that relativity was designed to, get a, to do away with uh, geocentricity, you're going to find out that's exactly what they admitted themselves. And we've mapped out 57 layers so far of these, of these rings, maybe more by now, but, uh, and, and we're seeing that same pattern. Bunch of matter, bunch of nothing. Bunch of matter, bunch of nothing. Bunch of matter. It's 3D. Like I said, like layers of an onion. And the concentric galaxy walls, same, same, same philosophy. Everything we find, it does the same thing. We've got a, a pie slice where you can see thicker areas, thicker areas, thicker areas, thicker areas, thinner areas. And when you look at the whole thing, and, and the whole thing in 3D, it's, it even is more more obvious. And here's more on the same stuff and the picture, the picture came out sideways. Uh, they've, they've now mapped over a million galaxies and, and found the same trends. Find us another slice of the pie showing the same thing, another slice of the pie showing pretty much the same thing. And here's the thing now, I mean, we, you, you can see the different layers of, of, of matter where it's thicker and thick, you know, the different belts, and then, the, you know, nothing or very little in between. And remember, that goes all the way around, and it's three-dimensional all the way around. So that's the, the spheres going around. And the only way that it would look like this is if the Earth is, is right here in the middle. Because if the Earth is over here, you would not see all those rings going around the Earth. You see it going, they go around here. But the Earth is here, and we observe that and tells you the Earth is in the center. How many different things we've got to look at? Oh, it gets better yet. Not only that way from the spheres, but the matter is also lined up in what's called, the, they call it the fingers of God, from the thicker and thinner and thicker and thinner and pointing right at the Earth all the time and from every direction, three-dimensional, this way and this way, and uh, they call it the fingers of God. There's uh, just more... Uh, depictions of that, how it all, all points right at the Earth from, from every dimension. So the whole blooming universe is pointing straight at the Earth. This way, this way, quasars, galaxies, gamma rays, 
it's all everything's pointing right at the Earth. Why would the universe be designed that way? By accident. See, there, there's the issue. They don't want the Earth to be at the center. Because if the Earth is at the center, that strongly implies it was there on purpose. That means there's a God that made it and put it there. If it's just in the corner of the universe, hey, it could have, evolution could have put it anywhere. What? With the vast universe we have, for the Earth to be right in the middle, that was not by accident. Somebody put it there on purpose. And that makes people think, maybe there's a God. Maybe there's a creator. We can't have that. Never mind what our science says. Ignore our science. Don't follow the science. Not now. So, I mean, this is what they call it, the fingers of God. So we've got, you know, all these different things. I had a... I, I don't remember which order everything was in uh, as we've gone through it all, the quasars and the expansion and the concentric cones and the quasars, but you got them lined up with the uh, with, with the Earth this way and that way, uh, lined up uh, with the equator, lined up with the with the poles. Uh, then you got yeah the, the gamma rays all are all pointing at the Earth. I should have turned those. I, when I put them in, I just used the same picture over and over again. Uh, they're all pointing toward the earth. Uh, so everything's pointing point toward the earth. Then you got the galaxy spinning one way here, spinning the other way un, uh, under the equator. And uh, then you got the fingers of God all pointing at the earth from all different directions too. Then you got the concentric spheres that work like a target, <laughs> and we're right in the middle of that. And the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Boy, it sure does. And so you put them all together, and you see everything is pointing at the earth. I think on my on my computer at home, I did have all these pointing in the right direction. This when you switch things from one computer to another, sometimes it tries to help you out and it straightens all the pictures out for you. That's not the way I, I wanted them, but you still get the idea. Black holes, same thing is true, by the way, too. There's just as many black holes in every direction we've, we've observed. Just coincidence, just luck. Uh, and the rotation of black holes around their axis, they, they, they rotate kind of like those uh, the galaxy. Um, they're just pictures. Oh, and something we're finding as we're also looking now at, at cells and stuff, nucleuses of cells have the same properties. They move with respect to the Earth. So if you go big in the space, if you go small in the cells, you get the same same observations. They haven't done near as much of this yet, but uh, uh, they're finding that these nuclei are literally point toward a direction in space, or direction on the Earth. Um, that one, this one takes a while to explain, so I don't want to get till midnight, but it's uh, So let's look at the scientists as we finish. We've got, boy, it'll be hard, hard to read some of these Messing up the parts. Um, this Einstein, yeah, Albert Einstein. It, I don't know what it is with this stuff up here, but he's talking about in. I can't read the top line, but something about his student years. I came to know the strange result of Michael's experiment. The strange result was the Earth is not moving, based on his experiments with light and all that stuff. Um, soon I came to the conclusion that our idea about the motion of Earth with respect to the ether 
ether is what they used to call what we now call what call the firmament uh, is incorrect if we admit Michelson's null result as a fact. The null result means null. The Earth's not moving. And he says if we admit it as, as a fact, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, our current ideas about the motion of the Earth are incorrect. Well, right, because <laughs> the Earth's not moving. This was the first path which led me to the special theory of relativity. Einstein just admitted the reason he came up with relativity is to try and explain away geocentricity. Since then, I have come to believe that the motion of the Earth cannot be detected by any optical experiment. He's right. It can't. That's what the science shows. Though the Earth is revolving around the sun. He just said there's no experiment that shows it. But, but it is anyway. Who's the scientist and who's the religious fanatic here? This guy's religion won't let him believe his own science. To the question whether or not the motion of Earth in space can be made perceptible in terrestrial experiments, all attempts of this nature led to a negative result. That's what Einstein's admitted. That's not some silly fundamental Baptist preacher who's never been to school. This is Albert Einstein admitting that all the experiments led to a negative result. He said it, not me. Before the theory of relativity was put forward, it was difficult to become reconciled to this negative result. So he's admitting the result's negative, and he's admitting that his theory of relativity was to try and refute the negative result. And what he did, was, as we looked earlier, he played for the tie. It's the same everywhere. It's relevant. But he didn't, it doesn't refute geocentricity at all. And I can see the struggle in the early days, so violent in the early days of science, uh, between the views of Ptolemy, who was a, 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 a geocentrist, although he did not recognize, uh, he had everything moving individually, and so he, it wasn't quite the same, but he at least had the right idea. Uh, he was going in the right direction. But he said the difference between Ptolemy and Copernicus would then be quite meaningless. Either coordinate system could be used with equal justification. The two sentences, the sun is at rest and the earth moves, or the sun moves and the earth is at rest, would simply mean two different conventions concerning two different coordinate systems. Uh, he's saying, so he's saying you could use either one you want. They both, they both work. That's, again, Albert Einstein. So why would we not choose geocentricity when the Bible sure appears that, that way? If Einstein's admitting either works, well, then I'll go with the, with the Bible. I'll go with the Bible one. Shame that I can't hardly read these. That's got to be putting in an Apple computer and all that, but at least hey, we got better than I thought we would get. Um, we can't say that the... Uh, Copernican theory and the Ptolemaic theory are wrong in any meaningful sense. The two theories are physically equivalent to one another. I think that's Fred Hoyle, another well-known scientist. Uh, theory is one of relative motion only, and as such difference, yeah, Fred Hoyle, has no physical difference or physical significance. So world-renowned scientists are saying either fits. 
they're, they're playing for the tie, but they're admitting that our way fits. Our, a great deal of research has been carried out concerning the influence of the Earth's movement. The results were always negative. The scientist after science is admitting the results are negative. Stephen Hawking, ever hear him? He's been, uh, you know, until he died a few years ago, a uh, well-known scientist. So which is real, the Ptolemaic, geocentric, or Copernican system? Although it is not uncommon for people to say Copernicus proved Ptolemy wrong, that is not true. He's admitting either, either way can be used. Either way works, either way, and that's what I said from the very beginning. Here's Michelson, the guy who did the experiment that they all hate, and he did it like 20 times because, you know, they don't want it to be that, but that's what keeps coming up. So they try it again, they try it again, they try it again, they try it again. They try it again. I, it, the experiment says what it says. It appears from all that proceeds reasonably certain that if there be any relative motion between the Earth and Numen, Numen affairs, ether, the, the cosmos, the, the firmament, it must be small, uh, quite small enough entirely to refute Fresnel's explanation of aberration. He's saying if there's any movement, it's mathematically imperceptible, so basically zero. Um, the failure of the many attempts to uh, measure terrestrially any effects of the Earth's motion. He's admitting it failed. There's another, you know, another scientist admitting it failed. Paul Lee, that was Michelson. They looked at, can't read any of that. That's, but that's Michelson again saying similar things to what he just said up there. That his, his experiment uh, showed that there's nothing moving. And, you know, the Earth is not moving. And uh, the results were unbelievable. There was only one other possible conclusion to draw that the Earth was at rest. This, of course, was preposterous. Why is it preposterous? That's what your data showed, that's what your experiments showed, and you admit that's the only possible conclusion, that the Earth is at rest. But that's preposterous. Again, he, that's not science. That's a religious fanatic. Worse than a Muslim. Um, which I I'm missing, we're missing some because we're missing some of the top quotes because it's mushing things together here, but uh, anyway, this is a uh, Earth-centered, Earth-fixed coordinate system. We're launching and flying satellites, showing that our, our global positioning system and NASA, this is from uh, a quote from NASA, they use geocentricity when they do their, their calculations, when they do their missions and things like that. Uh, the, your GPS on your phone assumes geocentricity. Uh, NASA's stuff assumes geocentricity, even though they don't believe it, but, but they they send, pe they send people out in space based on a theory they don't believe. <laughs> I don't know if I want to write on any other ship. But, uh, so he's just showing that it does, that's what's used. Boy, I don't have them memorized enough. I just get a little bit of an idea of what they're saying. We're going to all squish together. Anyway, again, he's saying that the only way that it, that it fits, their observations and and things fit is if the Earth is situated in the center of an in homogeneous universe, and homogeneous. As Paul Davies, you may have heard of him, he's another pretty famous scientist. Um, obviously, it matters little if we think of the Earth as turning about on an axis, or if we view it at rest while the fixed stars revolve around it. Geometrically, these are exactly the same case of a relative rotation of the Earth and the fixed stars with respect to one another. Mach. Ever hear of a guy named Mach? Scientist Mach, that's what they have, Mach 5 and all that. Uh, that's what he, so 
these scientists were all saying that's what the data shows. It shows that the Earth is in the middle of the universe and the Earth is at rest, according to our experiments and our data. Look, that's preposterous. Why? Why is it preposterous? Here's Lawrence Krauss. He said, forget Jesus. The stars died so you could be here today. Right? So he's not on our side. He's against us. He's even said, uh, if you're introducing creation uh, to children, uh, uh, then it is like the Taliban at some level, which is an extreme form of child abuse. If we teach our kids that they didn't come from monkeys, that's child abuse, according to this guy. Um, but he admitted, oh, boy, this is all chopped up. Um, I wish you could see this because this is an excellent quote. It must be different colors or something out here. Um, but he's basically saying the same thing that everybody else. He's, it, it, the evidence shows that we're truly the center of the universe. Uh, the science is wrong. Something's wrong with our theories. And, you know, I wish we could see this actual quote because that was really good. Um, but that's uh, Lawrence Krauss saying the same thing. Here's uh, all this evidence that the universe looks the same whichever direction we look in might seem to suggest there is something special about our place in the universe. It, it might. In particular, it might seem that if we observe all other galaxies to be moving away from us, then we must be at the center of the universe. That's what the evidence shows. We've looked at two dozen examples. We reject it only on grounds of modesty, which means we've got no scientific reason to reject it. I mean, that's what we see. That's what our experiments show. But we reject it because we don't want to believe it. That's Stephen Hawking. Dragon Huter, again, from the University of Michigan, uh, said basically the same kind of stuff. It just, you know, uh, they're aligned with our solar system. They're aligned with us. They're aligned with the, the ecliptic plane of the Earth. And all the poles are aligned with us. Um, you know, it shows that we're in the middle. And it's an interesting new fundamental physics. It's not at all, but uh, good. I'm glad this one came out because this is the best quote of all. Edwin Hubble, heard of the Hubble telescope, named after him, so he's a, another renowned scientist. Such a condition would imply that we occupy a unique position in the universe. Yeah, I think so. Analogous, in a sense, to the ancient conception of a central Earth. This is what a modern scientist is admitting to. This hypothesis cannot be disproved. He said it. Einstein said it. Hawking said it. Uh, Mach said it. They all said you cannot disprove geocentricity. That's what they're all saying. But it is unwelcome. Well, of course not. They don't want us to be in the middle. They don't want us to be motionless because that proves the Bible's true. They don't want that. Therefore, we disregard this possibility. Why? Because the science doesn't say so? No, because it is unwelcome. But we disregard it. That's, that's science? The unwelcome supposition of a favored location must be avoided at all costs. Why? I'm not afraid to, to acknowledge that the Earth has a favored location. Why do they want to avoid it at all costs? If the science shows it, such a favored position is intolerable. Why? Your experiments show it, your science shows it, your calculations show it. Therefore, in order to restore homogeneity and to escape the horror of a unique position, why do they consider the Earth's position to be a horror if it's at the center of the universe? 
because that implies somebody put it there on purpose. God put it there. All right. Um, must be compensated by spatial curvature, which is part of the theory of relativity. He said there seems to be no other escape. So we basically just have to close our eyes and pretend like it's not real and, and, and appeal to relativity. Uh, there's no other escape, and that's not an escape either. But anyway, here are just more places to look. Uh, my, I have a blog spot, geosend.blogspot.com, that has uh, um, probably 50 articles now on, on geocentricity. Gerardus Bow's website, geocentricity.com, is still online, although he doesn't update it anymore because he's not able to. Um, Gordon Bain has some good stuff. He died a few years ago, and they took his website down. I wish they'd left it up because it was really good stuff. Um, if you look on YouTube, stuff like Creighton Loveless, Malcolm Bowden, and Gerard Spau uh, has some good stuff. That's Malcolm Bowden's site up there, too, uh, so to look up for more. And I have uh, this message on, online on the Bat Bible Institute website, so if you want to see it again, uh, probably explain things a little more clearly, and you can see those graphics better that got chewed up at the end there and see what those scientists actually said. But we looked at scripture, we looked at science, and we look at scientists, and they all agree that the Earth is in the center of the universe and the Earth isn't moving. That was their testimony. Never mind what I say. That's what they say. The ones that don't believe it, they think it's a horror. But we'll, we, we just can't accept this. We ignore it because they're not following the science. They're religious fanatics, and it's anti-God religion, anti-Bible religion, anti-Jesus Christ. So I'm through, Pastor. You can finish the service how you see fit. Send everybody home happy, I hope. <laughs> Educated, I hope. Well, I know some of you probably grumbled and said, we've been here a long time, but I'm going to tell you, you learned something tonight, didn't you? Sometimes it takes a little while. Can't grasp for a plane 45 minutes. Now, let me just say this. Now, I know, like I said, we've been here two hours, and I know somebody said, oh, boy, that's a long time. Well, I wanted to come back tomorrow night. And Friday night, I would like to pursue. Some of you said that you wouldn't mind doing it. Now, if we do this tomorrow and next night, we can't do two hours. No, <laughs> no I'll be, I'll be okay. doing different. I'm just gonna say that for everybody. Come back tomorrow night. I told him it was gonna take a long time. Yeah. He said, "Well, we, we want to get." Right. You can't hardly do this message and cut it short. I cut it short enough and left a lot enough off, or else you won't understand what what I'm talking about. So, like, but the point, the long and short of it is this: God made it all, and we can see that. You know, and you can also see that man don't want anybody to know that God made it all. And the more that we realize God made it all, you know what it does? It makes us realize, hey, he's really watching us. He's he's not he's not billions of miles away. I mean, God, if the earth is footstool, that means God's looking right down on us. And it's very personal. And if it's very personal, then we need to pay attention. We're not disassociated from God in a huge vacuum. God's right there watching us. And, uh, and when, we, when you have this knowledge, it changes the way you view things, changes the way you view your world. It's all about perspective. And when you realize that the perspective is we're in the center of everything, that makes us of, of utmost importance. And when God says he knows how many hairs are on our head, again, it, even, it brings the focus down further and further and further to the individual. And I want you to see that everything is directed toward us right here because that's all that matters to God is to us right here. He, we are his creation. And and I want you to see how important you are to him. Amen? 
All right, let's stand together. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to go to the house. The message is only about 30 or 40 minutes. All right, and he's going to be here. And like I said, we'll do tomorrow night. We'll do Friday night. We won't do Saturday night. He's He's got some things he wants to go to over in the Dallas area uh, related to creation science and things, dinosaurs. So they're going to be, they're going to be doing that Saturday, but Sunday morning be here. So be sure and try to make both nights if you can. Be sure, be sure and try to be here for that and tell somebody. And, and, and listen, he got more stuff than just this. So I guarantee you would bless him. One last gentleman drew on giants. They just picked up a new artifact I want to use. Um, I, we, I might even let, uh, show you guys what I got and say, what do you want to, what do you want to hear? <laughs> so I got stuff on every aspect of the creation and evolution uh, Got 30 different messages on it. So one one I want to do on giants just because I got a brand new thing I wanted to use. So I might as well do it well here. But there's all kind of stuff. Bible, archaeology. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. It's getting late. This <laughs> is late for me. It's got to be late for you. He got a bunch of stuff you ain't never heard before. I'll put it that way. So we'll pray about it between now and then. But, but like I said, bring somebody tomorrow night. Tell somebody to come back tomorrow night. I guarantee you get a blessing. It's better than anything you can watch on TV. I promise you that. Amen? So so let's do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and say, God bless us, and let's come back tomorrow night. Brother Byron, this is Amen. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for coming out tonight. Shut that down, brother. I'm going to leave that in the back. I guess it won't hurt nothing. Leave it in there, Louis. Okay. No, I'm going to leave it. Shut her down.
How big is that? 
Like they're going on to Paris. There won't be anything open. Okay. Yeah. That's my fault. I saw her, bro. Throw me out of the church. No. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, it's okay. I just put meat in all. I can know how many. I can count. He's going back to the restaurant. Yeah, this place. You know where it is? I think he went the other way. Huh? I thought he went there. He went back this way. Oh, I don't know. Okay, okay. Well, and they're going to Okay. Uh, what about this coke? I'll throw this coke can away. It's empty. Thank you. 
wrong. Get this 
That's the that's your iPhone. That, that iPhone. I can't figure out how to get that flashlight. 